Thank you, Tim, and good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Dave, and I'm one of the leaders at the Vine Church. Uh, I'd love to be able to say it's good to see you this morning, but sadly, that's uh, not possible. So what I've done is I've devised my own congregation to remind me of you guys uh, and to provide me with some community uh, and atmosphere. Uh, of course, any similarity between these guys and you is uh, purely coincidental. But uh, if I just tilt the camera, uh, there we are. You can see uh, who is uh, currently with me this morning. If you want to associate with any of these people, that's fine. Uh, actually, there was a person on the end. I thought, you know what? That guy looks familiar. But uh, there we are. I'm not so sure. What do you think? Well, I trust you're all keeping safe and well. And uh, whether you're living on your own uh, or with family, I'm, do you know what? I'm really looking forward to the time when I can hug someone other than Sharon. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I love hugging Sharon, but I'm sure, like me, uh, you're missing being able to share life with friends and family again. Uh, and let's hope it's sooner uh, rather than later. Now, two weeks ago, we started a new series entitled Practices of a Disciple. In other words, what are the trademarks of a follower of Jesus? In our first week, uh, Bally talked about the practice of personal prayer. And last week, uh, Tim talked about the importance of meditating on God's words, which we find in the Bible. Now this week, I'm going to talk about another really important aspect of a Christian's life, and that is living in community. Now, we would, of course, love to be able to live in community at the moment. And in fact, this is the first time in most people's lives where we have ever been restricted from meeting together. So maybe this is a wake-up call for all of us, never to neglect uh, the importance of living in a vibrant community. Sometimes you only appreciate it uh, when it's taken away. So there's a real uh, lesson for us all here. Now I'd like to start by going right back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. Close your eyes and picture the opening scene. You know, often when we think about the beginning, uh, we envision God as a solitary figure hovering alone over unformed space and speaking the universe into being. But you know, scripture indicates that before creation, God existed as a trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, each serving and bringing glory to the others in perfect, intimate communion. Later in Genesis 1 verse 26, when God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, he imparts his own nature to Adam and Eve, that they might live in perfect, intimate community uh, with each other and their creator. Now, we read on, of course, that this intimate relationship was shattered when Adam and Eve uh, chose to believe the lie that independence from God was the way to go. And loneliness, poverty and brokenness entered the world and our shame separated us from God, our creator, and from each other. But you know, God, in his unfailing love, invites us back into renewed relationship with him and with others through Christ. His Spirit transforms our hearts and lives, empowering us to extend the reconciliation that we've experienced to our friends, our neighbours and our broken world. Now the question is, how do we pursue community in a culture 
that gives such importance to individuality rather than interdependence. Now maybe through the current lockdown uh, things are on the change uh, in that people are beginning to see the benefits of community. There certainly seems to be a better community spirit, doesn't there? Uh, with people clapping, with their neighbours, the NHS, acts of kindness and helping those in need. The Bible, however, uh, reveals God's vision to draw together the people he created in his image across all nations, tribes and cultures so that they can receive and reflect his love. Now let's fast forward several centuries from Genesis to the book of Acts chapter 2. The scenes here are surprisingly similar. Again, we see God showing himself in Trinity to draw people into relationship with him and each other. God the Father's plan in action, the Son's sacrifice on the cross and now the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 describes a crowd of thousands of Jews from many countries gathered in the city of Jerusalem for a temple feast. Imagine uh, the sound of dozens of languages ringing out as people call to family members, uh, the smell of food purveying through the air, uh, the animals, uh, just uh, the array of faces, the styles of dress, uh, all those different stories and all ages and social classes uh, represented. Then, in a miraculous display of power, God pours out his Holy Spirit at Pentecost, uniting 3,000 new believers and his disciples to form the church. And not only that, Gentiles too were no longer excluded. They were receiving Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now you have this band of diverse, multicultural believers uh, in fellowship with one another. What a huge paradigm shift that must have been for the Jews. But this was God's heart for his creation, to live in community together. Now Acts 2 verse 42 says this of the early church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favour with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now Tim Keller, who is a pastor and author, uh, those who know him, uh, he identifies five characteristics that mark this new faith community. The first is vibrant worship. The second is deep, dynamic and loving fellowship. The third is teaching with theological depth. The fourth, evangelism, and the fifth, a compassionate and social concern. Now, you know, although this expression of the church didn't last forever, the same spirit that inspired believers then remains at work in the body of Christ today. However, inevitably, where there are people, there are always going to be challenges. You know, if the 12 disciples 
Jesus' closest friends on earth experienced broken fellowship, then we too should expect to face challenges of our own in pursuit of that community. In John 13, Jesus predicts uh, that two of his followers will either betray or deny him, yet still he offers bread and wine, his body and blood, and he washes the feet of those who would turn their backs on him. Let's look at what it says in the scripture in John 13, verse 5. It says, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you don't understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Then Jesus answered him, If, you, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Now that's quite a statement, isn't it, by Jesus? And later that night, uh, at this Last Supper, he imparts this radical directive to his followers. He says this in verse 34, A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love uh, one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So then, according to Jesus, it's not about amazing church buildings or impressive preaching or moving music that marks a community of faith. It's love among believers. Of course, creating that community isn't easy, is it? The fall of man brought isolation. It brought a bad attitude and selfishness into the world and into our hearts. Very often, we prefer to surround ourselves with those who are the same as us, who look like us and think like us. But that is not God's heart. The world, you know, is full of difficult people. You and I could be difficult people. We all have personality quirks and differing opinions. And it's no wonder then that interpersonal conflict is unavoidable. However, here's the paradox, folks. If we tell ourselves that living in community is easy, we'll likely be surprised, then discouraged by its challenges, and then just give up. Yet, if we acknowledge the difficulties and still choose a community-immersed life, we face the reality of the world in which we live and can move together towards reflecting God's heart of unity. It doesn't matter, you know, who an individual is, how unlikable, where they come from, what they've done. Jesus died for them and we have an obligation to serve them in the same way that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Otherwise, we can have no share with Christ. That was his lesson. So we know that community is challenging, don't we? But the benefits are amazing as well. And I'm sure all of us have experienced this in some form uh, or another. You know, in the 1990s, the World Bank posed this question to more than 60,000 individuals living in low-income countries. And their responses surprised the researchers. What is poverty? That was the question. What is poverty? Now, in response to this question, we might name the physical things that we perceive those in poverty lack, such as food or money, 
uh, clean water, etc. However, you know what, rather than focusing on physical needs, individuals describe the experience of living in poverty as strained relationships, low self-esteem and feelings of anxiety, helplessness and isolation. And we know a little bit about that at the moment, don't we? You know, in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 to 12, we read these words. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, at the heart of every, uh, at the heart of every Christ-centered community is love. Despite inevitable moments of discord or awkwardness, the ultimate core of community is experiencing the love of others, and through that experiencing the love of God and as we do we can't help but share with others out of the abundance that we've received. You know this last week I was blessed to receive a generous bag of goodies left on my doorstep. I have no idea who from but you know there was just meticulous thought and care that went into that gift and it was certainly a blessing to me. It was one of those things that made me feel unworthy of. But you know, that's community at work. And I'm very grateful, you know, to the good, faithful Christian men, women and children who throughout my life have sown words of encouragement, comfort, hope and joy and laughter. Many of those people are you uh, who are listening, who may be listening today. What would I have done without uh, such a faithful community. In Peter uh, chapter 2, 1 Peter 2 verse 4, it says this, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now in this verse, Peter is challenging us to view our situation as an opportunity to become a people receiving grace from Christ together and then extending that grace to the world together. Throughout history, true Christians have shown some amazing selfless acts towards others. You know, I was reading this week that in the third century, during a time of persecution against Christians, a pandemic uh, similar to what we're experiencing now spread across the Roman Empire. Uh, you can read about it. It was known as the Cyprian Plague. In Rome, it was thought that about 5,000 people were dying daily, and it almost uh, caused the collapse of the Roman Empire. So we're not alone, are we? There have been many similar pandemics throughout history. However, while thousands fled cities to escape, many Christians did the opposite. They stayed, risking their lives. They cared for the sick and dying who were left behind. Their compassion, 
led to many of their neighbours turning to Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And centuries later, you may have read a story about the Nazi forces who went into Eastern Europe. The Orthodox church leaders and farmers uh, in northern Bulgaria vowed to lie across the railway tracks uh, to prevent trains filled with their Jewish neighbours from departing. Their actions saved about 48,000 people. How amazing is that? Now these are really inspiring stories, but they show us the power of living in community. Many of us have been touched by the love of God, which has been made tangible, hasn't it, by the acts of our community around us and the care that they give. So then this morning, let's remind ourselves of the four points. Firstly, that from the beginning, God was in intimate communion as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We were created in his image to bear the hallmark of that unity, not to be isolated, but to live in community together. Secondly, we read in the book of Acts how a vibrant church community led by the Spirit and working together draws others to it. You know, we must accept that there's always going to be, number three, challenges with community. Our call is to love and serve irrespective of how we feel or are treated. Jesus washed the feet and served the very ones who denied and betrayed him. One of those, Peter, became leader of the early church. The other, Judas, was lost. We never know who will come through our hands and what the result may be. We just keep figuratively washing people's feet and keep going. Finally, we know that there are great benefits and blessing in community. What would we do without those who lift us up and put us back on our feet, who support us in time of need? And finally, I want to finish with this verse uh, from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should um, use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. God bless you.